Hello, everybody, and welcome to Charts with Dan. We have a slow weekend at the box office, but a couple of interesting stories to track. Before we get into that, I want to thank my sponsor here on the show, as always, Carbon Health. Carbon Health has a mission, which is to make healthcare as affordable and accessible to as many people as possible. You can check the Carbon Health app now to see if there's a location near you. You can also use that app for virtual appointments. And if there is a Carbon Health location near you, you can go in anytime for urgent care. They keep appointments available every day. And if you live in California, you can also use Carbon Health as your primary care provider. So thank you as always to Carbon Health for being a great partner here on the show. Also, before we get into the box office, I wanted to take a moment because there is a larger world outside of movies and streaming shows, etc., to mention the death of Queen Elizabeth II. Along with the rest of the world, I was tracking the news and the response over the past week or so, and I know that many people have complicated feelings about the monarchy, etc., and you know, a lot of those feelings are completely understandable. But it is also a time of change that has not happened in the past seven decades, which is unprecedented and may honestly never happen again. And taking even the real-world implications out of it and looking at Queen Elizabeth II and her presence in pop culture, in music, in movies, in television, She was the subject of an Oscar-winning performance from Helen Mirren, the subject of multiple Emmy-winning performances on Netflix's The Crown. She was a target for comedy in movies like The Naked Gun from the files of Police Squad. She was somebody whose face was recognizable in almost every corner of the globe. So I did want to take a moment to commemorate her passing because it is a landmark event in modern world history, and she's somebody on a personal note I understand the feelings about the monarchy itself, the institution, but I had a a great deal of personal respect for her. The fact that she took on the crown, that she became queen, which is something that she never thought was going to happen. This was in the aftermath of one of the most horrific periods in world history, and yet she remained as the queen for decade after decade after decade and provided for a lot of people stability in times when the world was very unstable. So I do think the one thing that you can't really argue with is the momentous nature of this moment and this transition that's going to happen. But I don't think we're going to see another era like this for a very long time, if ever. Let's transition now to the weekend box office and look, first of all, at the top five movies. It was a pretty depressed box office economically, the second worst weekend of 2022. That surge of attendance that we saw for National Cinema Day is long in the rearview mirror now, but there was a breakout hit still at number one, and that is the horror film Barbarian, which got a lot of buzz and word of mouth on social media and elsewhere this weekend. I did my own review of the film that you can see right here on the channel. It overperformed its estimates and came in finally at just over $10.5 million, almost exactly a $6 million gap over the number two film for the weekend from India, Brahmastra Part 1 Shiva, which took advantage of a slower box office weekend to take that number two spot at just over $4.5 million. In its sixth week, Bullet Train is still hanging around, 42.8% drop from last week for a $3.3 million total. In its 16th week, Top Gun Maverick, still in the top five, it drops 47.5% off of its total from last week with a $3.1 million weekend total. It has now been in the top five 15 of the last 16 weeks, which is just incredible. The Invitation drops 45% in its third week to number five with a $2.6 million total. It actually was a very close finish between The Invitation and the number six movie, DC League of Super Pets. In its third week, it comes in about $10,000 behind The Invitation at $2 million 
$2,656,000. The Invitation had $2,666,000. At number seven is the film Life Mark, which was aimed at the Christian market. It stars Kirk Cameron, was also co-produced by Kirk Cameron's company. It's not unusual, especially in the kind of off-peak season, to see these Christian-themed films in the top 10. $2.2 million, good enough for seventh place. At number eight in its fourth week is Beast, with a $1.8 million total. Minions, The Rise of Gru, in its 11th week, stays in the top 10 with a $1.7 million total, a fall of 50% from last week. Spider-Man No Way Home, though, this was apparently a Cinema Day special because it dropped 75% from its performance last week, so not a whole lot of people enticed to see that more fun stuff edition past National Cinema Day. Spider-Man No Way Home, however, was by theater count the widest release this past weekend. Maybe this is one reason why the box office was so low. The widest release was the 10th place film. When you look at all the options that were out there this past weekend, Barbarian is not on super saturated release. Brahmastra Part 1 was not on super saturated release. As a matter of fact, it was part of the specialty box office and still was the number two film of the weekend. I think that there were a lot of theaters and a lot of screens that were playing pretty much empty that maybe could have benefited from one of these other movies being programmed on them. And it was either a lack of a imagination or effort from theaters to book movies other than Spider-Man Far From Home, this re-release, or it was a contractual thing. But this is something I'm going to tackle actually next week. I've got a few videos that I'm working on because they're going to be uh, pre-programmed. I'm going on vacation next week, so I'll be away from the channel, but I have plenty of pre-taped videos. One of them is going to be what I would do if I ran movie theaters, kind of the like the video that I did saying what I would do if I ran DC. And that is one aspect, is looking at how many of these movies are booked in 3,000 theaters or 2,800 theaters, and how many of them need to be in that number of theaters beyond their first or second week. Not a great thing for theaters when the number 10 movie is the widest release of the weekend. We had three movies drop out of the top 10 this past weekend. After nine weeks, Thor Love and Thunder is out of the top 10. Dragon Ball Super Superhero drops out of the top 10 after three weeks. And my beloved Jaws, the re-release, sadly only one week in the top 10 before it drops out. So let's talk about some of the movies that came out this past weekend. Barbarian, the number one movie, a movie that I really enjoyed, and yet another entry in a year that has been really good for horror. These are the top five horror film opening weekends for the year so far, and I would say that I actually liked all of these movies, which is very rare for me to look at a horror top five this late in the year and say that I enjoyed each of these films. Now, some might say that Beast is not a horror film. It's a tweener. I'm not quite sure if it is or it isn't. So if you don't think that Beast is a horror film, then you would bump up Barbarian to number four and put The Invitation there at number five. But the top opening horror movie so far this year is Nope with $44.3 million, followed by Scream, which came out way back in January with a $30 million opening. The Black Phone, the third highest opening horror film this year with a $23.6 million opening back in the summer. Beast at number four with $11.5 million. And then Barbarian at number five with $10.5 million. And we have some horror movies that are on the horizon that could add to this streak. We have the prequel to X, which is another 2022 horror film that I really liked. That prequel is called Pearl. It comes out this week in limited release. I'll talk about that at the end of the show. We've got Halloween Ends coming out later this year. I hold out hope for that, even though I didn't particularly enjoy the other two movies in this iteration of the franchise. I am hoping that we get a great last movie 
lots of stuff still to come for horror fans. Let's also talk about Brahmastra Part 1 Shiva. 2022 has also been kind to international films here in the domestic box office. These are the top five 2022 international film openings of the year. Dragon Ball Super Superhero at number one with a $21.1 million opening. But right now, the highest grossing international film is Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, the movie, which opened to $18 million in the early part of the year. RRR is at number three, which had a $9.5 million opening, followed by Brahmaster Part 1 Shiva with its $4.5 million opening, and then KGF Chapter 2 with $2.9 million. So we have two animated films from Japan and then three movies from India, making up the top five international film openings of the year here domestically. And this is one of the things that I enjoy looking at this box office in the last couple years is the continued emergence of international cinema, particularly from Japan and India. South Korea also bringing a lot of strength to the box office. I like to see these films from other parts of the world really making some noise at the box office because it just varies up the options that we all can have when we go to the movies. Top Gun Maverick, as I mentioned, still in the top five, and it is continuing to work its way up the inflation-adjusted all-time list. It is now 28th all-time if you adjust for inflation. It passed The Avengers and Grease, starring John Travolta and the late, great Olivia Newton-John. It's now about $10 million behind Mary Poppins and about $14 million behind Forrest Gump. It's possible that Top Gun Maverick stays right there at number 28, but I've stopped projecting that. I think Top Gun Maverick is just going to make money for Forever. And it'll go to the top of the chart in like 60 years because it'll just be in theaters for that long. Despite some standout movies, it was the second worst weekend of 2022. And when you look at that green line there, it's like studios. I mean, they were doing great this summer. They had some spikes that were way above the 2015 through 2019 average. And it seems like somewhere in July, they just forgot that they had to program the rest of the summer and the fall because it has been a precipitous decline. We're now well below where we were even back in 2021. This weekend back in 2021 was actually Labor Day weekend. So that's the Shang-Chi opening that you see that big spike there. But the box office one year further removed from the pandemic theater closures is worse than it was this time last year. So I, I don't really know what the strategy was in Hollywood for this late summer, fall type season, but we really should start turning things around soon because we, we should not be trending below 2021 at this point. That's a regression. When we look at the top five movies per theater, Brahmastra Part 1 Shiva was not in wide release. It was in under 1,000 theaters, but it had the top per theater average with $5,609 per theater. Barbarian, which was playing on 2,300 screens, the number two per theater average of the weekend at $4,506 per theater. It's almost like maybe they should have been in a few more theaters each. At number three is 1982, a holdover from last week, with $4,124 still playing in one theater. At number Number four is a film from France called Hold Me Tight, which was actually an entrant into 2021's Cannes Film Festival. It earned star Vicky Creeps a César Award nomination. Those would be the French Oscars. Hold Me Tight's playing in five theaters for a $3,648 per theater average. And then at number five, another holdover from last week, the re-release of the Mike Nichols film Carnal Knowledge, starring Jack Nicholson, Art Garfunkel, and Candace Bergen. What a cast. Carnal Knowledge stays there at number five. When we look at the films that are in limited release, as I mentioned, Brahmastra Part 1 Shiva, 
tops the specialty box office with $4.5 million, easily the top film amongst films that were in 1,000 theaters or fewer. Orphan First Kill continuing to prove why I think it was a huge strategic mistake for Paramount Plus to put this film day and date on streaming. In its fourth week, despite being available on streaming for a month, it's still making $309,000 in 428 theaters, breaking there at number three, $224,000 in 616 theaters. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On reportedly holding on to all of its theaters from last week, so 161 theaters clinging on to this movie, and they should because it's really good $97,000 in its 12th week of release and then the good boss goes up to 175 theaters but the gross goes down to $90,000 total in its third week of release Looking at the 2022 limited release top 10, we do have some changes. BTS Permission to Dance remains at number one, followed by KGF Chapter 2. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On is at number three with $6.2 million, followed by Orphan First Kill, which has crossed the $5 million mark. But then we see Brahmastra Part 1 Shiva entering the chart at number five. And if it holds up well in the next couple weeks, it could make a play for that number one spot to displace BTS, who's been there for months since the spring. Cyrano drops down one spot to number six. Lal Singh Chada drops down one spot to number seven. Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. The portion of its release when it was in limited release drops to number eight. The Worst Person in the World drops to number nine. And then Breaking enters the list at number 10 with $2.6 million total. That drops off the portion of Vengeance's release when it was in limited release. And also David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future, now gone from the top 10. So two new entrants on the 2022 limited release top 10 this weekend. Something that has not changed is the 2022 domestic summer box office. I'm going to stop tracking this week to week unless there are changes. There were some at the very bottom of the list, so the top eight remain the same, but Bullet Train is now the ninth highest grossing film of the summer. The Black Phone is now number 10, and you see the race for number 10 is coming down to the Black Phone versus DC League of Super Pets. This would be my perfect box office summer season. DC League of Super Pets needs to make about 4.5 million more dollars in order to displace the black phone at number 10. I think it's going to be very close and it's not something that is going to be wrapped up in the next week or two. I will have next week a special edition of charts at the regular time that is a summer wrap up. I won't be covering this weekend's box office because that kind of overlaps with part of my vacation. I'll cover it when I get back. But one thing that I will not have a final list of is what are the top 10 summer grocers because it could be three, four, five weeks before we know of DC League of Super Pets can pass the black phone domestically. So that's going to be something that is open-ended and I will update people uh, as I know more. These were my predictions for the actual summer top 10, both pretty accurate and not at all accurate. And you see right now, the only movie that I predicted in its correct position apparently is Bullet Train, which I predicted to be the number nine movie of the summer. It is the number nine movie of the summer, but I got the placement of everything else wrong and potentially should not have picked DC League of Super Pets to be on my list period. This is another one that I will update as it needs updating until we get the final locked in version of just how I did over this summer box office season. Before we go any further, I want to thank the sponsor for today's show, Raycon. Summer's almost over, but I'm out a lot doing yard work, and that means I'm listening to music, I'm listening to audiobooks, podcasts, but no matter what I'm listening to, it sounds great because I'm using my Raycon earbuds. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever with optimized tips for the perfect in-ear fit that are not only comfortable, but they will not fall out. Trust me, I sweat a lot. Raycons give you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery 
battery life and you get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. One of the great things that Raycon also has are these customizable listening modes. So if I want to be aware of my surroundings, maybe see if the neighbor wants to say hi while I'm out in the yard, I can put it into awareness mode. If I wanna just lock in on mowing the yard or whatever else I'm doing, I can put myself into noise isolation mode. Whichever mode I'm in though, what I'm listening to sounds crystal clear. You can find out for yourself and go to buyraycon.com today and use the code MERL15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code MERL, M-U-R-R-E-L-L 15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code MERL15. Let's move from the domestic marketplace now to the world stage, and we'll look first at the movies that were released internationally. So these are all the markets outside of the United States and Canada. Brahmastra Part 1 Shiva was the number one movie internationally. Now, I know that there are lots of box office figures floating around. I went with the one that I could find the most confirmation for. I think we're in the ballpark here. Reportedly, the film made $22.1 million in markets outside of the U.S. and Canada, enough to make it number one. The Chinese film Give Me Five was at number two with $20.9 million, followed by a film from South Korea, Confidential Assignment 2 International, with $16.6 million. Our first Hollywood film is at number four. Minions The Rise of Gru makes another $5.796 million worldwide, followed by Bullet Train with $5.7 million. When you take that international marketplace, you combine it with the domestic results, we get our top five movies worldwide. Brahmastra Part 1 Shiva remains number one with $26.6 million total followed by Give Me Five and Confidential Assignment 2 International. Barbarian, driven almost exclusively by its debut domestically, is the number four movie in the world with just over $11 million, followed by Bullet Train remaining there at number five with just over $9 million. When we look at the domestic box office for 2022, no change from last week. It may be a little while before we see any significant or meaningful change here on this list. Top Gun Maverick, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Jurassic World Dominion, and The Batman are numbers one through four. Minions The Rise of Gru is at number five, followed by Thor Love and Thunder, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Elvis, Uncharted, and Nope at number 10. Worldwide, also no change. Top Gun Maverick at number one with $1.45 billion. Jurassic World Dominion at number two, scraping and clawing, trying to cross that billion dollar mark. I don't know if it's got enough in the bank. Imagine making $997.4 million and you just can't find $2.6 million worth of change in the couch cushions. Maybe it'll get there. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness at number two, followed by Minions The Rise of Gru, which is now past the $900 million mark worldwide. Doesn't look like it's going to get to a billion, but $900 million, not too shabby. The Batman at number five, followed by Thor Love and Thunder. The Battle at Lake Changjin 2. Moon Man at number eight. Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore at number nine. And Sonic the Hedgehog 2 at number 10. Looking at the worldwide box office for the past 365 days, so you take today's date, you roll the calendar back one entire year. These are the top 10 movies over that period of time. Spider-Man No Way Home remains number one and will remain number one until it rotates off the chart, I think. Top Gun Maverick at number two, Jurassic World Dominion at number three, Doctor Strange at number four, The Battle at Lake Changjin at number five, Minions The Rise of Gru at number six, No Time to Die, which by the time I get back and actually update this chart will have rotated all off, so No Time to Die is going to make the 365-day Hall of Fame. Right now, it's there at number seven. The Batman is at number eight. Thor Love and Thunder at number nine. And The Battle at Lake Changjin 2 at number 10. 
Before we check out what people are watching through various streaming services, I always like to take a look back at a weekend from Box Office Past, and we're not going back too far, or at least it doesn't seem too far, until you th actually sit and think about it. We're going to go back five years to the weekend of September 8th through the 10th, 2017. That's the weekend that IT was released. I was shocked when I was going through these charts to even wrap my head around the fact that it's been five years since it came out. It debuted September 8th through the 10th to $123.4 million. And even though the box office totals are somewhat far apart, just a weird twist or quirk of fate, Bill Skarsgård, who played Pennywise in It, is also one of the leads of Barbarian. So Bill Skarsgård is number one at the box office with a horror movie hit on the same weekend, five years exactly apart, almost to the day, which is pretty crazy how these things work out at the box office sometimes. At number two, also opening that weekend, was the Reese Witherspoon vehicle, Home Again. The Hitman's Bodyguard, a holdover August hit, was at number three, followed by Annabelle Creation at number four, and Wind River at number five in its sixth week of release that had a very extended, limited release, a very slow rollout. I like that movie. You haven't seen Wind River. It's actually pretty solid. Let's look now at what people are watching through various streaming services, and we will start with the iTunes chart. As it has been for the past couple weeks, Top Gun Maverick available for purchase only, still number one on iTunes. Thor Love and Thunder enters the digital arena, available for streaming on Disney+, Plus, but now also available for purchase on iTunes, where the Crawdads Sing is at number three. The Black Phone enters the picture, now available for rental at number four. Beast also joining the chart, available for purchase and premium video on demand. Those are your higher priced rentals at number five. Minions The Rise of Gru, still available for purchase at number six. Nope, available for premium video on demand at number seven. The new film About Fate, available for purchase and rental, enters the chart at number eight. DC League of Super Pets stays on the chart at number nine. And appropriately at number 10 is Dog, which has been on and off the charts for several months now. Apparently a big hit for people that are choosing to watch a movie at home. And you know what? You could do a lot worse because I enjoyed that film. Let's look at the 10 most watched programs on Netflix for the week of August 29th through September 4th. So we're on a delay of about a week. At number one is the Netflix movie Me Time for its second consecutive week with a PFV of 32.7. PFV means potential finished views. I take the number of hours watched, the runtime of the program, divide those two, and that gives me the number of Netflix users in millions who could potentially have finished viewing that particular program. This is my own personal metric, which is why these rankings may look a little bit different from Netflix's actual numbers. At number two is the Netflix original movie Love in the Villa, entering the chart with a PFE of 21.5. The Netflix original movie Loving Adults, which is a Danish film, enters the chart at number three, followed by the Netflix original movie I Came By, which is a British thriller starring George McKay and Kelly McDonald at number four with a PFE of 16.8. That's more. a holdover from last week, is at number five with a PFE of 10.9. New to the chart at number six is a movie called Under Her Control, which is a Spanish drama with a PFE of 8.6. Echoes, the Netflix original series, is at number seven with a PFE of 6.8, followed by Look Both Ways, the Netflix original movie, at number eight with a 6.4 PFV. Devil in Ohio, which is a cult drama, a Netflix original series, at number nine with a PFV of six flat. And at number 10, the Brazilian comedy Fenced In with a PFV of 5.1. So international cinema also a big fixture for these Netflix numbers, which makes sense because these are global numbers. This is not just domestic. This is Netflix around the world. When we look at the 10 most watched 2022 Netflix programs overall ranked by PFV, 
Nothing changes as far as rankings, just people moving closer to each other. The Adam Project remains number one with a PFV of 147.2. Stranger Things 4 continues to creep up. It now has a PFV of 141.7, by far the most potentially finished Netflix series of the year. The Gray Man is at number three with a PFV of 123.7, followed closely by Purple Hearts, which moves up to 118.5. Hustle is at number five, followed by The Sea Beast at number six. Bridgerton Season 2, the only other Netflix series on this chart, at number seven. The Man from Toronto is at number eight. The Tender Swindler is at number nine. And the Netflix original movie Senior Year is at number 10. When we look at the most watched Netflix programs since they started supplying this data back in June of last year, the top five remains unchanged. Squid Game Season 1, Red Notice, Don't Look Up, The Adam Project, and Stranger Things 4. The Gray Man remains at number six, but Purple Hearts moves up to number seven and jumps over Sandra Bullock's The Unforgivable, which drops one spot to number eight. Hustle and Money Heist remain numbers nine and ten, and we are moving into awards season. The fourth quarter of last year is when we saw movies like Don't Look Up, which is one of the most watched Netflix films, as seen from the chart that we just looked at. So we could really see some movers and shakers here on this Netflix list as we close out the year. Let's look now at the Nielsen ratings. Now, these are not perfect ratings. They are U.S. only. They don't cover every streaming service, and they are delayed by about a month. A view on this chart counts as two-plus minutes, but let's see what the top 10 most-watched streaming movies were. This is for the week of August 8th through August 14th, and this is very interesting because we had a big Netflix original, Day Shift, which premiered this week. It was actually, according to Nielsen, the second most-watched movie on Netflix that week. Because of how the days work and the release periods, the number one movie over this stretch of time was actually Uncharted, which was licensed by Netflix here in the U.S. At number two is the Netflix original Day Shift, Uncharted with about 19.7 million hours watched versus Day Shift's 16.3. We'll see how that shakes out next week. Lightyear on Disney Plus, again seeing this trend that we've seen where a big movie debuts on Disney Plus but doesn't quite have the staying power to stay at number one or two. It drops to number three with 11.6 million hours watched. Prey on Hulu stays at number four with 8 million hours watched, followed by Purple Hearts on Netflix. 13 Lives on Amazon. Actually, the watch time stayed about the same from last week, about 5.5 million hours watched, but it goes up to number six because of how everything shakes out with the other movies on the chart. Sing 2 is at number seven. The Gray Man is at number eight. And then two new entries on the chart, Wedding Season at number nine and Flight at number 10, both on Netflix. And then looking at the 10 most watched streaming shows in the U.S. from August 8th through the 14th, at number one is The Sandman. Stranger Things moves back up to number two. Virgin Rivers at number three. The Netflix original Lock and Key enters the chart at number four, followed by Bluey on Disney+, Plus, which is one of those things, kind of like when I started talking about Coco Melon, that I have no idea what it is, but I feel like anybody with a family or kids knows exactly who Bluey is and could give me like a complete rundown on like the Bluey mythology and Bluey's origins. Uh, but I, because I don't have kids or young people running around this house anywhere other than a couple of cats, I have no knowledge of what Bluey is, but it's good enough for fifth on the most watched streaming shows in the U.S. NCIS is at number six, followed by Coco Melon at number seven. The Netflix original I Just Killed My Dad is at number eight. Grey's Anatomy is at number nine. And then Never Have I Ever is at number 10. Something that's going to be interesting to watch on this chart, this chart tracks an entire series. So for example, Stranger Things being at number two, that's all seasons of Stranger Things. So a show that's been around and has a lot of episodes has an advantage on this chart because there's more hours to watch. Starting next week, we're going to 
going to see the viewership numbers for House of the Dragon. And very shortly after that, the viewership numbers for The Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. So it will be interesting to track how those shows, which have one, two, three episodes, etc., are tracking on this chart versus other shows that have entire seasons available. It could really help us judge what's the enthusiasm for these different shows. Because we've seen, for example, some Disney Plus shows that have not shown up on this chart, even though they are big shows. Like Obi-Wan Kenobi was never at the top of this chart because it just had one or two or three episodes, etc. She-Hulk is another one that we'll also see entering the chart very soon. So something to keep in mind very soon, we're going to get some big streaming series and we'll see how they show up on this chart. That does it for the show this week, but I've got a very busy week here on the channel. First of all, though, let's talk about what's hitting theaters over the next few days. Clerks 3 begins its rollout tomorrow with a Fathom event, and then there will be more uh, in the next uh, days and weeks as Kevin Smith begins his rollout there. I will be going to see it tonight. I'll have a review here on the channel tomorrow. This upcoming weekend, The Woman King, which has gotten a huge critical response out of the Toronto Film Festival, will be hitting wide release, as well as a mystery film that I've heard some good things about called See How They Run. The Netflix Marilyn Monroe controversial biopic Blonde, starring Ana de Armas, hits limited release this weekend ahead of its debut on the streamer later this month. The X prequel Pearl that I mentioned earlier also hits limited release this weekend, along with the David Bowie documentary Moon Age Daydream in IMAX. I want to see every single one of those movies, and I, I think I'm only going to be able to see maybe one this weekend uh, because I'll be getting ready for my vacation, so there's going to be a lot of catch-up for me to do when I get back. A couple of streaming movies also available this weekend, Do Revenge on Netflix, and then on Amazon, an English remake of the Austrian film Goodnight Mommy. I've seen the original Goodnight Mommy, and if the remake is anything like that original, ironically, you may lose some sleep over it. That wraps up the show for today. I'm going to have a lot of stuff, as I mentioned, a Clerks 3 review later this week. I'm also going to have a review of the last three episodes of She-Hulk, the last two episodes of The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. I just did a review for two episodes of House of the Dragon that came out yesterday. I'm going to try to see if I can, uh, probably The Woman King, and maybe try to get a review out uh, at some point uh, this weekend. But next week, I'll also be, like I said, away from the channel. There will be videos here, some pre-programmed, pre-taped stuff. And then when I come back, there will be a lot of catch-up for what I missed. So I'm going to enjoy my time away because this time leading up to it and the time coming back is a lot of programming and making sure that I can talk about all this great stuff that's happening. And really, I mean, just such a streaming shows and movies and everything else. And we're going into award season. So much to talk about. I'm excited for it. Thank you so much for watching this video. Thank you to my partners at Carbon Health. Thank you to my sponsor, Raycon. You can check the description below for more information about both of them and most importantly thank you for spending your time here with me i will be back tomorrow with my clerks 3 review and then of course more streaming reviews and you can always come to this channel for reviews news box office and more thank you so much for watching until next time stay safe and i'll see you then bye